Okay, what kind of greeting? Does it matter that it's shuffle? It doesn't matter, doesn't it? What does the verse say? So it doesn't matter whether it's shuffle or not, right? Right? That's what he's saying, right? It can, it, the loudness may be a, a problem, but uh, regardless of how cheerful it is, uh, it really doesn't matter. No one appreciates a loud, even though it's gratifying, greeting early in the morning when they're trying to get some sleep. That's what he's saying. Okay, you can greet you can greet this person as loud, but just don't do it early in the morning. You know, some people uh what they call morning people and they like to get up really early in the morning. He says, Don't do it early in the morning. Okay, it will not be appreciated. I mean you your intentions may be good. Your intentions may be good because you will notice what he's saying here. There's nothing negative about the greeting. The greeting is a cheerful greeting. The problem is the volume of it and when it's done. I see this different. How you see I it? I see this being if you are an angry person. And okay, just say like I'm at the market and I come and read my food and they get along. And I come and say, Good morning. Does she think I make it for her? That's how I see it. And that's how I see it. Like two people, an angry one another. We look side by side. And I come the next morning. It could be seen in a context. It could be applied in a context too. Okay? But the whole idea is it'll be taken, it'll do more harm than good. That's the point. That's the bottom line. Uh, instead of being a, the blessing that you intended it to be, it turns out to be more of a curse, more of an annoyance. In St. James Version, he says, He that blesseth his friend in the loud voice rises early in the morning, it shall become a curse to Right, right. So it does more harm than good. <laughs> what Muslim? God, my God, my that neighborhood is disturbed. I don't I don't think they do it. I believe I think they must have been complaining about it so inside. They were kind of laid up. But there was they like around four or five o'clock. In the morning. Out there. Mm -hmm. They're going on. You know, mm -hmm. it's very hot, quiet and calm around that time. <laughs> 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 Anyone ever call the police? I wanted. <laughs> like I said, but they didn't do it midday and Call the police. Tell the police. Tell them come. Um, tone it down. Okay. Verse uh, fourteen and fifteen. Verse fifteen and sixteen. Sorry. The continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Whoever restrains her restrains the wind and grasps oil with his right hand. Now, we, we had uh, seen some verses like this before, but it didn't have anything to do with, uh, uh, it didn't mention the dripping force, talk about wanting to live somewhere else other than the house of this, this, this kind of person. But there was another twist on it. Okay, the constant dripping of water on a rainy day and a complaining, nagging wife have one thing in common. They can both drive a person up the wall. 
That's the one thing they have in common. Ever had a, a faucet that continues to drip, 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 drip? It gets on your nerves, doesn't it? I mean, you need to do something to get it to stop. Okay, well, he's saying that that, that, that dripping faucet and a nagging wife, they have the same thing in common. They're just alike. He says, notice what he says. Trying to stop her complaints is like trying to stop the wind. Can anybody stop the wind? <laughs> or trying to hold something with greasy hands. Everybody, anybody ever tried that? Your hands got grease on it. You're trying to hold on something. You just can't get a grip. It just keeps slipping. So he says, trying to stop a complaint is just like that. Regardless of what you say, she will avoid and blame somebody else and continue nagging, is what he is saying here. So you can't stop it. Better get out of there. Go somewhere else. Get out of the constituency, out of the environment. Verse 17. Iron sharpened iron, so man sharpened the countenance of his friend. Uh, is still a practice today of uh, uh, people when they want to sharpen a knife, they would get another knife and they would rub the two knives blades together. People still do that, right? Yeah. Well, that's what he's talking about. That's an idea. It gives an idea what he's doing. What he's talking about. You're rubbing two sharp knives together. The sharp edges together will sharpen one, the dull one. Uh, in the same way that iron against iron sharpens the exchange of ideas among people makes them sharper in their thinking. Okay? You sit down with another person and you exchange ideas and both benefit from it. Uh, you become a little sharper in your thinking and they become a little sharper in their thinking. The sharing of opinions gives a help, helpful, a helpful span of view. Okay, you, 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 you sit down and you share opinions with this person and you begin to see things from another perspective that you didn't see before, is what he's talking about here. Intelligence is sharpened by asking questions. So you get involved in this conversation, you have opinions and you share your, your thoughts and your intelligence grows, it increases. In other words, you learn from the other person. Social verbal interaction has a way of polishing our character. And that's what he talked about when he says, as iron sharpened iron, so one person sharpens another. One friend sharpens another friend. So we see how important from this verse, how important good, solid friendship is. That's another aspect of it. I um, heard a sermon this morning from Jeremiah. Mm. On the same point, tell us why Jesus sent out the first disciples two by two. So if one can encourage the other one, right. And that's what friends ought to be doing. Encouraging one another, sharpening one another, learning from each other, uh, complimenting each other. Okay, verse 18. Okay. As a worker does what? Depends. Are you going to get any kind of crops for fruit from a tree if you don't take care of the tree? If you don't water it, you don't fertilize it, uh, yet you want to get a crop from it. Uh, are you going to get anything if you don't take care of it? That's what he's saying. Okay, you just can't put it in the ground and leave it there and let it fend for itself. So a good crop is the reward of the worker who took care of it. 
He talks about the fig tree. But the whole idea is working hard ensures food in the cupboard or in the fridge. That's the bottom line. Okay, when you work hard, you, 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 you benefit from the rewards of hard work. It's also true that workers who are faithful in, to their employers will receive the deserved honor. Okay, you have a, you're a faithful worker, your employer is going to recognize that, and, uh, and you're going to be honored for it. Uh, John uh, mentioned something to this extent also. Uh, when Jesus said, if anyone serves me, him my father will honor. And so there is honor for faithfulness. And we see this happening all the time. Organizations do it, businesses do it. Every so often they have a, a big honor program, a presentation where they honor the persons, the faithful employees. Sometimes they get whole two full pages in the, in the local newspapers uh, where they do that. And so that uh, comes from this this biblical principle. Uh, people who work hard will eventually be honored. Now you may not be honored in the time that you want to be honored, but you will eventually be honored. And so this principle is still practical uh, in our time. And uh, even though organizations that are not biblical organizations see the benefit of this. It's a source of encouragement to their employees. It lets them know that they are appreciated. All their hard work that they've gone through and done in all those years have not been done in vain. Uh, and so we are to learn from that as well. Faithful workers will eventually be rewarded and receive the honor that is due to them. Verse 19. Okay, as you see your face reflected, whenever you look into a pool of clear water, you can see your reflection, right? So he says, as your face, as you see your face reflected when you look into a clear pool of water, even so, you see much of what you find in yourself by studying other people. When you look at other people, you can see a little bit of who you are. The identical emotions, temptations, ambitions, thoughts, strengths, and weaknesses. And so sometimes we have a tendency to criticize. There was a devotion recently uh, in Daily Bread about that. Um, I wonder how many of you read that. Uh, let's see, I think I had here. Oh, yeah. It talks about difficult people. Anyone read that devotion? It's on August 7th. Here's what it says. It, it, the, the verse is uh, Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2. Walk worthy of your calling, with which you were called, bearing with one another in love. And the key there is bearing when, or tolerating. Bearing could also be used tolerating or putting up with one another in love. And sometimes we, have, we run into individuals who say, boy, I can't stand him. Boy, I can't stand her means that you are not tolerating, you're not putting up with that individual. Uh, it goes on to say, in the book, Gold in the Dark, author C.S. Lewis describes the kind of people we have trouble getting along with. Selfishness, anger, jealousy, and other quirks often sabotage our relationship with them. We sometimes think, Life would be much easier if we didn't have to contend with such difficult people. Anybody ever thought about that? 
You know, you have a person that you probably work with or a neighbor. And you say, boy, that person just makes my life miserable. Life would be so much better if I just didn't have to deal with that big person. Well, that's what he's saying here. He goes on. Lewis then turns the tables on us by pointing out that these frustrations are what God has to endure with each of us every day. Those are the tables. He writes, you are just that sort of person. You have also have a fatal flaw in your character. All the hopes and plans of others have again and again shipwrecked on your character just as your hopes and plans have shipwrecked on theirs. This self-awareness should motivate us to try to show the same patience and acceptance to others that God shows to us daily. We don't have to think about that either. And he asks the question, are there difficult people in your life? Ask God to show his love through you. Amen? Well, that's what he's talking about here. We see our, our face reflected as we look in a, in a pool of water and see our face reflected. Uh, we also see uh, ourselves and other people as we study them, as we look a little closer at other people we'll see the identical emotions, temptations, ambitions, thoughts, strengths, and weaknesses in them. Verses, uh, verse 20. Death and the grave is what he's talking about. Ever, ever thought about that? <coughs> what is never satisfied? You know, I passed the Lakeview cemetery going to work and coming from work and sometimes I pass there they have these flatbeds with the the, 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 um, the molds for the coffins that they put the coffins in and sometimes I pass there and I said wow you know they get five six seven flatbeds and they're all loaded with these tombs like, well, where, where are they gonna put all of them but I pass there in the evening and they're all gone they dig these souls in the ground, they put them in the ground, and I said, wow, a lot of people dying, but never died before. <laughs> 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 there are people that say people dying to get in the graveyard. Okay, but he's saying, what he's saying here is that there are two things that are never satisfied, uh, just like the human desire, and that is death and the grave. They're never satisfied. Death in the grave never said, enough, I had enough, stop, no more, please. <laughs> never, never. And uh, you get two words here that are used in the Hebrew, Sheol and Abaddon. Never get to the stage where they stop claiming victims. Never. So it is with human desire. It is never satisfied by anything that the world has to offer. So the human desire and death and the grave have the same thing in common. Never satisfied by anything that the world has to offer. The only way to, that the craving of the human heart is fully satisfied is by being in Christ. That's the only way. We've got this void in our lives that only Jesus Christ could fit into. God made it that way. God made us that way. You know, people try to fit all kinds of things into that, that, that void that mold, that shape in their lives that only Jesus Christ is supposed to fit into. 
and they are never satisfied. They are, or they, are, they go through their entire lives yearning and desiring for more and more and more and more, and they're putting the wrong things in there to begin with. Jesus Christ is the only place. And so death and destruction are never satisfied, just like the human desire is never satisfied. Only when we're in Christ are we fully satisfied. Verse 21. You ever thought about that? A person is tested by their reaction to praise in the same way that fire tests the purity of silver and gold. In other words, what is your reaction when people praise you? Does your head swell up big? Or do you thank God for allowing you to be able to be praised and that God would get the glory? That's what he's talking about here. You know, so some, see everybody can't take praise. You know, everybody can't take it. You know, uh, some people take praise and get praise and they attribute all that they get in the praise to, to themselves. Boy, look at what I've done. If it wasn't for me, they can't take the praise. And, uh, and so, a person is ruined by praise by letting it go to their head. And, um, and they don't, uh, rather than accepting it with calmness and humility. Lord, I thank you for allowing me to be able to have that kind of an impact on that individual. To the point where they praise me, but you get all the glory. Because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be praised. Okay, rather than letting it go to their head, if it wasn't for me, look what I do. Okay, and so what he's saying is, just as fire, we know the extent and the magnitude and the intensity of fire uh, on, purity, on the purification of silver and gold. So he says, just as fire tests gold and silver, a person is tested by their praise. So we need to be careful of how we react and how we respond when people praise us. Make sure the glory goes to the right person. Remember this, this church leader who was being honored for many, many years of, of faithful service. And he said, no, 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 I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. He was adamant. He, no, 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 I don't want it. And, uh, and he refused to take it. And so someone pulled him aside and said, ask him, why, why, why are you so adamant not to accept, you know, the, the honor for this? He says, because it feels like I'm pinching, pinching off a little piece of God's glory. And I don't want it. If it, if it make me feel like I'm, I'm pinching off a little piece of the glory that God's supposed to get, I don't want it. Okay? Definitely praise wasn't going to his head. Okay? But this is what he's talking about here. How, how praise tests a person's character. You want to know whether a person is truly serving the Lord from their, with their heart? Look at how they react to praise when it comes. That'll tell you who they're really serving for. Who they're working for. Okay, verse 22. Okay, now we've seen this, this implication throughout the Proverbs. Uh, you cannot separate a fool from their foolishness. He says, no matter what you do, you just can't do it. And he uses a, an illustration here. Mortar is a bowl-shaped uh, mortar, mortar shaped object. And the pestle is a, is a little stick that you use when you put something in this mortar bowl 
and you, you grind it down and you grind it down to till it gets to powder. That's what he, that's the illustration that he's given here. And it says even if you take a fool and you do that to them, you still can't separate the fool from the foolishness. Boy, that's so serious. See that? The point is, this proverb is even if you grind the fool into this powder substance, like form, you're still not able to separate the fool from his foolishness. In other words, while you can separate wheat from the chaff, foolishness is too much of a part of a fool to separate them. Okay? It's just, it's just too much a part of the person to separate them. You can't separate the two. Okay? And that's how much foolishness is ingrained in the heart and character and the psyche of a fool. And so, so we understand, we sometimes we figure out how come this foolish person can't get it? I mean, you try to talk them common sense to them. And you try to twist that in every conceivable way that you could describe it, and they still don't get it. But this verse explains it. You cannot separate the fool from his foolishness. Even though it makes a lot of sense to you, it makes no sense at all to the fool. That's what he's saying. And sometimes we, we, we rack our brains and we beat up ourselves trying to try to explain something to the fool. Don't even do that. Hmm? <laughs> How do they get a fool? By not listening to what God has to say. Where does wisdom come from? God's word. So if you're not reading God's word and if you're not adhering to God's word, you're not obeying God's word, you're not listening to God's word, then you normally characterize as a fool. Exactly. Right? So why would he listen to a God who he says doesn't exist? Okay, so the wisdom from God's word doesn't make doesn't mean anything to him. As far as he's concerned, there is no God. Okay, we have a group of verses here then, uh, from verses twenty-three to verse twenty-seven. We could have someone read those verses. The next generation. After the hay is harvested and the new crops appears, and the moment grasses uh, get in, your sheep will provide for you, and your clothes will provide Christ for you. And you will have enough clothes to mow for yourself, your family, and your servants. Now, what are these verses talking about? What are these verses talking about here? Okay, industry, right? Diligence in industry, good management, stewardship. That's what he's talking about. Notice all how, what, what the emphasis is on. Now, while these verses are grouped together, they praise the merits of agricultural life. Notice in this verse, everything that, that it says has to do with agriculture. All right, the, the land, the animals and so on and so forth. So it praises the merits of agriculture. A lot of people don't like agriculture because it's too much hard work. But this is one of the passages in scripture that praises agriculture and the benefits of it and how beneficial it can be if you are diligent at it. Notice what it says. It also stresses how important it is for the farmer to be sorrow. If he's diligent, if he's doing a good job, then he can benefit. Notice, the flocks and herds must be nurtured 
by exercising, enduring, and cons- constant care. Again, that passage we just saw, that way we did, if you don't take care of the, 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 the fig tree, you, you don't, you're not going to have no crops. Same thing here. You take care of the flock, the flocks and er- the herd, they, meet, they need to be nurtured by enduring constant care. This applies with equivalent vigor to the local church when it comes to shepherding God's flock. Pastoral success can only be sustained by constant thoroughness in ministering and taking care of the flock of God. And that's why we went through this recent process that is not complete in looking for a new senior pastor because there is a concern of the thoroughness of the pastor. The pastor's success can only be sustained by constant thoroughness in the the shepherd uh, taking care of the flock. Unless continuous care is exercised in managing one's affairs, the honors of royalty soon disappear and the riches don't last forever. Notice he says, uh, riches don't last forever. Okay? In other words, the money that you make is not going to last forever. You gotta, you've got to manage it properly. And that involves investing. Investing properly. Investing wisely. And then he goes on, he says, uh, the farmer gets great satisfaction in seeing the growth of his crops and harvesting the plants. Okay? He is thrilled when he sees what he... Don't you get excited when you plant something and you see it grow? Well, that makes you feel good, doesn't it? Doesn't it make you feel like it was a, it was a fruitless exercise? You put a, a seed in the ground and you see it come up. Boy, I was so excited when I saw my planting tree growing planting. Wow! That was a thrill. And I didn't expect it because the tree been in the ground for so long. But it's a thrill when you see something that you plant grows. I got a grape tree, see grape tree in the yard that, that uh, never had anything on it. This year, it's high, it's loaded. You know, and unbelievable. You know, but it's a good feeling when you plant something in the ground and you see it grow. And this is what he's talking about. The farmer gets great satisfaction in seeing the growth of crops and in harvesting them. And then he talks about the lambs. The lambs provide wool for clothing. And, uh, and the additional fields are bought from the proceeds of selling the goats. Talking about industry, and wise industry. So that his family and his employees have plenty of food and all as a result of the farmer's diligence. And so that's what he's talking about. He's talking about stewardship in industry. Being wise. Being a good steward is what he's talking about. So we see the Proverbs addresses everything, doesn't it? Doesn't miss nothing. Everything that you can think of that we go through in our lifetime, Proverbs addresses it. Who would ever think that uh, the Proverbs would, would, would praise the merits of agriculture? But here it is, right here in the Word of God. Talks about the benefits of it and how we benefit when we are doing a good job and we are faithful to it. Amen? we got to stop. Our time is gone. Father, we thank you and praise you once again for the opportunity to see from your word how we can order our lives by the wisdom that you provide for us. Help us not to forget it or neglect it, but to use it wisely in order that you might be glorified and not only we would benefit, but those around us would benefit 
uh, by the impact of how we use wisdom. Bless us now as we separate. We pray for the service to follow. And all those who will be participating, especially your man servant as he brings the word today, get t- continued glory for yourself, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.